Hi, everyone, and welcome to this APQC podcast. My name is Lauren Trees. I lead the Knowledge Management Research Program for APQC. And today, I'm very happy to be joined by Eric Storm, who is Vice President North America for StarMind. Hi, Eric. How you doing? Nice to be here. So Eric is a much better person than me to tell you what StarMind does, but I'm going to be brave and get us started with a quick overview. StarMind software uses AI and neural networks to analyze the skills and expertise that employees have to figure out which staff are smart about a particular topic and then help direct questions to the internal people who are best suited to answer them. So it spans several key needs for both knowledge management and for organizational learning. Did I get that mostly right, Eric? Yeah, I mean, it can be described in a lot of different ways, but that was that was a really, really good description. Um, you know, uncovering hidden knowledge and hidden skills that uh, organizations really, really know about, uh, but only in documented knowledge. So allowing for our algorithms to learn from, from materials that are already there and learn from the interaction with the platform to continue to build those skill profiles to better to better handle questions and routing of those questions to the experts. So you, you, you did a great job. Perfect. And I know we're going to get more into the how-to in a minute, but, but I wanted to frame this conversation first by just seeing why I think these capabilities are important. Uh, so I've been doing knowledge management for about 13 years now, and expertise location has been this holy grail for KM, this mythical thing that, that everyone wants, but very few people actually get right. And, and every consumer tech trend becomes the silver bullet that's going to solve it. We're going to use a wiki, or we're going to create people profiles for employees like they have on LinkedIn, or we're going to use social posts like Facebook, and smart people will magically rise to the top of those conversations. And some of those solutions have worked better than others, but overall, I think they've been a bit messy and, and very hard to adopt and maintain over time. So what's exciting to me about the current wave of AI and intelligent automation is that it feels like we might actually be able to surface experts and knowledgeable people in real time in a way that doesn't put this huge burden on admin staff or on end users to maintain this body of skills knowledge. So with that context, let's jump into it. Eric, I think we should start by saying a little bit more, and I know you started in the intro, on how this all works. Um, so can you walk through some of the basics of StarMind and how it connects people to experts and expertise? Yeah, um, I love your thought process that, that you just went through, and it'll probably make a little more sense as we go through the uh, through the through the the podcast on why StarMind sort of fits the bill there. Uh, but we, we, we have had this problem in, it's not just HR, it's an organizational issue of just truly understanding, uh, you know, organizational knowledge. And the, the, the biggest thing is the assets within the organization and how for so many years, assets are always looked at as physical, physical pieces of material, a truck, a car, uh, a building and the true assets in the organization now are the, are the people and and what's what's in their brains what do they know what have they worked on who who have they connected with um, what projects have they worked on what's what skills ultimately do they do they do they have and there's been this conundrum for years of of how do we identify that how do we pull that out and uh, ten years ago or so when Starmine was founded 
uh, we, we realize that the true core of what we do is this skill intelligence engine, right? And really trying to understand uh, who knows what about what within a company. So it, we do it now in, in, in multiple ways. Uh, over the last few years, we've developed uh, over 200 connectors. So what we do is we connect to data within an organization that's, that's all public um, to, to the organization. And we begin to create tags and concepts uh, to the people within the company. From there, uh, we build a skill profile and the platform is essentially a Q&A platform, uh, but it's really to, to essentially find who knows what about what. So you can do it in two ways. You can identify an expert via uh, a tag or a concept. You can ask a question. Our AI will intelligently route that question to the correct expert based on their skill profile. Um, and, and then the algorithm will continue to learn uh, about those people, right, different things. Uh, it also forgets knowledge. So things that someone might have interacted with two, three, four years ago are not as relevant as some of their more recent activity, whether that's the Q&A piece, whether that's new projects they've worked on, whether that's a new job that they've taken within the firm. Um, and then from there, the, the third thing is we, we like to put our, our, uh, our algorithm where your organization goes on a day-to-day -day basis. So we've also developed integrations to uh, Office 365 Suite, the G Suite, um, collaboration tools like Slack and Jira and ServiceNow. So we don't, we don't wanna take your, or your, your people away from what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, but we wanna give them the access to the experts and the knowledge that we capture. So I, I hope that was enough <laughs> detail on the solution, uh, but, but really the, the problems that you just talked about are, exa are exactly what we're looking to solve. No, I think that's great. And uh, I love that you were kind of pointing out the move from these physical assets to the, the most important assets being your people and, and your knowledge. But I, I think one challenge that, that we see in this space is separating those true experts and people who know things from people who maybe are enthusiastic about a topic or who think they're experts, but they don't really have that depth of knowledge. And that not only creates noise in the system, but it can also be dangerous. And, and I know it makes organizations nervous. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about how StarMind deals with that problem. Yeah, so the self-identification conundrum is, uh, is something that we hear pretty much every one of our customers. Uh, a lot of these, the, the, the ways that organizations have, have identified skills in the past has been surveys has been uh, you know quarterly uh, interviews with their with their with their folks um, you know talent reviews like just just really basic mundane laborious administrative processes and what we try to do is is take the and and you also with that uh, you have some people who probably think they're much better at something that they <laughs> that they are than they are, and and the opposite, right? People downplay their their ability in certain areas. So what we try to do is get to the root, and and really the the proof is the proof is in the data. So our algorithms can just read the data and and create profiles for for the individuals without them lifting a finger, right? Um, so so that builds the database without any interaction with the platform. And then through the Q&A piece, you know, you really truly fine tune those skill profiles and, and allow for the algorithm to understand, um, you know, the, the true experts, right, in, in very niche 
concepts, uh, but also, you know, moving people away who may have self-identified in a certain area as, as proficient, uh, the proof would come out through the Q&A that, that perhaps they, they're not. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's truly exactly what we do. Because the people who ask the questions come back and rate those answers, right? So if there's somebody who is answering lots of questions but not necessarily giving great answers, that'll that'll come through that feedback mechanism, right? Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. So the algorithm knows who's asking the question, but the organization does not. So uh, questions are asked anonymously. Uh, this is two, we've we've tested this for years. Uh, basically, people don't want to ask questions that they should potentially know the answer to. <laughs> also, if, if, and if they should know the answer, they don't want their boss to know that they don't know the answer. Um, so the questions are asked anonymously, which, which you know, obviously we get way more questions put into the platform with that. The, the questions are answered publicly. So that also prevents, um, you know, flippant or, or not thorough responses. Uh, <laughs> Or, or anything inappropriate, truly, uh, in that matter. So, so the, the answers are answered publicly, and then the answers are scored anonymously. So if you do put a bad answer, uh, and your, your boss is the one that asked the question, uh, they can score that answer down, and no, nobody really knows. There's no, uh, there's no personal um, you know, uh, uh, effect, per se. I, 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 you don't know the answer. You should know the answer. It's, it's all very, very anonymous, so, so yeah. So I think this is a good segue. I want to touch on the privacy concerns because I know a lot of people worry about big tech mining their personal information and their interactions, yeah. um, you know, and, and people spend a lot of time at work and they do a lot of things that um, maybe are work or aren't work, you know, so, yeah. so how do you protect people's privacy and build that trust with users? Yeah, so uh, this is almost every first conversation we have with a prospect or a customer this is this comes up uh you know data is is gold right now for for organizations so anything that would slip between the cracks is just not going to get uh, approved as a, a valid solution for that organization so we we have we're based in Zurich Switzerland we have many german customers um, and we have uh, many U.S. customers who, who follow very different but very strict data rules. So in order for us to truly uh, deliver the solution the way we wanted to, we had to go through many GDPR qualifications. Um, and, and I can kind of put my personal stamp and, and we put our personal stamp as an organization on, on being compliant with all that. The way we do that, uh, and I talked about connectors over 200 that we have, we connect to uh, HRIS systems, we connect to calendar systems, we connect to uh, document management systems, we connect to collaboration systems and, and specific industry specific systems. Those are kind of the five families. Uh, the, and, and you know that sounds like uh, a lot of uh, red tape with all those, but what we do is we only look at public information within those, within those uh, five families. So for instance, if we were gonna hook into Workday to uh, find information about you, uh, we would only look at information that the rest of the company could see, meaning your job description or your CV, right? We're not going to look at uh, your social security number or, or your compensation, right? Uh, and it's all modular based. It's very easy for admins to sort of check that off. Uh, the same with, let's say, OneDrive. Uh, if we want to go read, read an organization's OneDrive, 
there's public folders and there's private folders. We would only look at the public folders. And then within those folders, only the public documents. So it's, it's, it's fairly easy to, to prove uh, how we do this. Uh, it, sometimes it, we have to get in the weeds a little bit with, with the technical teams because uh, sometimes they don't believe us, but, uh, but that's how we get around it. And, and, and we, you know, one of our largest customers in the US, uh, a multinational consumer products organization, uh, were blown away at our security scores uh, when they did all their uh, information security reviews. Uh, we, we scored higher than any technology that they've ever reviewed. So uh, we, we, we're very confident in this, and I appreciate you asking that question because it's, it's obviously very critical. I think if you've convinced Swiss banks that you're protecting people's privacy, that's a pretty good stamp of approval to put on it, right? Correct. Yeah, we, we always throw that out there because it's, it's, it's sort of a, oh, okay, so I guess we can get over that eventually. There's still, there's still some protocol that we have to follow, but it it's usually eases the worry very quickly. So adoption and, and change management are always really tricky aspects of, of any software rollout. And I imagine that's even more true when you're making assessments about people and what they know, that can be really sensitive. So how do you build this into employees' day-to-day? -day? And then even more importantly, how do you get people to actually ask and answer these questions on a regular basis? Yeah, great question. So, so the first half is something that in the beginning of, of StarMind, we, we're about a 10-year-old, we're just celebrating our 10-year anniversary. Um, we had this cold start problem. Uh, and what that means essentially is people would come into the platform and there would be no questions, there would be no answers. Uh, think if you were the first person ever going to Facebook. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful website, but none of your friends are there, none of your family's there, there's no pictures, there's nothing. So you're gonna close it and say, you know, I, I don't have time for this. Um, so, so what we've done is, is build these skill profiles and preload the, the platform with, uh, with A, experts and B, a lot of, uh, you know, initial questions, maybe some frequently asked questions or standard repeatable questions um, to, to allow for that first interaction with, with StarMind to be a positive one. Uh, but obviously, you, you've, you've heard this before, I'm sure, many times. People don't want five, six, seven different tools or platforms to go into to find information. So I touched on it a little bit earlier, but we integrate uh, with, with software or, or different SaaS platforms um, to allow for the StarMind algorithm or the StarMind search or the expert identification to be right where your employees are going on a day-to-day -day basis, if not hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute basis. So we integrate with a lot of, uh, you know, we, we partner very closely with ServiceNow because uh, we, we, we play very well in the service desk landscape. Uh, we partner very closely with all the Microsoft solutions. So we integrate with Teams and SharePoint and, um, and Outlook. Uh, we, we put our, our search and our power right, right where your employees go. So that, that obviously helps adoption, right? And, and they don't, there isn't that much quote unquote change. It's just a new, a new feature within an already established uh, piece, of, piece of software. And then the motivation piece that, that you mentioned, that's, that's, that's basically company to company, okay? So, so we have gamification built into our platform where the more, uh, the more you interact, the more points you get, the, the more positive answers you, you, uh, you answer, the higher the score you get. 
Um, but we have customers that build their their own because it's an open API infrastructure, so they can build their own gamification in there. We have uh, we have one customer where there's uh, there's about 4,000 R&D professionals globally, and they're rewarded with an Amazon gift card. Whoever whoever answers the most questions, even if they're bad, each month receives a $100 Amazon gift card because they really want to promote that uh, that just just interaction with the platform. So it's really a case by case. Um, but what we've found is um, since we introduced connectors a few years ago, uh, once people start and and they realize that they're getting questions answered by someone you know 12 hours away or or on another side of the world in in almost you know under two hours or or at least the next morning they wake up and their questions answered holistically that they become addicted is the wrong word but they start to respect the power of starmind and and continue to use it so we we really very rarely see a downtick in usage it's it's generally only only an uptick which uh, i guess we're i'm tooting our own horn here but it's uh it's a nice it's it's nice to see that people find value in what we do yeah, I think that's common. Gamification and the Amazon gift card can people get people into the system, but it's not going to yep. keep them there for six months or a year or longer. Uh, exactly. It's kind of the it's the gateway that gets people to experiment and start playing with exactly. it, and then it's the, yep. the the value in their day to day work. One hundred percent. So one of the advantages you've talked about is connecting people across silos, which sounds great. We all want to do that in theory. <laughs> But what we find is that that can actually create some tactical pushback from especially middle managers. So how do you yeah. respond to concerns within a, a broad organization about one business group stealing time from another group's experts or experts potentially sharing sensitive intellectual property outside of their team or their bubble? Yeah, great question. So the first, the first part of that question, um, you know, I would I would say we we can limit the amount of uh, expert sort of shoulder tapping <laughs> that that goes on with Starmind. So uh, obviously there there's going to be uh, a stack rank of experts within the algorithm. Uh, it will know that person A is number one, person B is number two, person C is number three. Uh, what what typically happens is well we limit uh, or or our customers limit the algorithm from sending more than two or three uh, questions to the top expert per week. So if, if, for instance, 10 questions get asked on the same topic uh, in one week, expert A would get the first three, expert B would get the next three, expert C would get the next three. Um, and then with that, uh, so that way we're not, you know, quote unquote, stealing time, we are, we are uh, getting answers as fast as possible without disrupting those experts' days. Uh, we have an organization that, that actually has uh, an external fellowship network uh, that they brought into StarMind because it was easier than setting up, you know, getting emails, setting up a meeting, having a 15-minute call to answer two, one or two little questions. They brought them into the network and now questions are being answered and, and being captured ultimately, which is even, is Another huge feature of StarMind is now that that knowledge is is documented in StarMind, it's yours forever. And when that person walks out the door, um, eventually, whether it's a new job or, or retirement, uh, we don't have to go back to those people for, for that answer. Um, so so we limit the number of, of interactions or, or questions that get routed to experts. 
And then, um, you know, the, the, the idea of sensitive information is a very hot question for, for all of our customers and prospects. Um, it's, it's, it's a tricky one because you don't really want to limit people. Um, you don't want to limit what they ask or, or how they interact. But uh, there are things that, that maybe certain areas of the business can see, others, others cannot. Um, so you kind of have to set the ground rules from the beginning. And then from an administrative perspective, uh, questions can be flagged or, or, or pulled down from the site if need be. Uh, but that would be uh, a rare circumstance uh, with Starmine. I think most organizations seem to understand, you know, what platforms are acceptable to post certain things and what aren't. Um, we, we, we find a lot of times our customers are educating their, the employees that are going to use Starmine that this is not a, a, a social network, right? This is not even LinkedIn. This is not a, a, a Facebook type platform for for internal, it's it's truly a knowledge share and capture uh, platform. So we don't hit that very often, but it is always asked, and there are workarounds. I think that really reflects what we've seen in our research, and and when we talk to companies that have implemented any kind of knowledge management system, leaders are always worried about misuse and protecting yep. intellectual property. And and for the most part, employees are adults; they're doing the right thing in the system. You set up permissions and do all those kinds of things, but it's it's never quite as big a problem as some people think it might be. Yeah. Um, yep. Agreed. So, so I have one final question I wanted to ask you. Access to expertise is such an intangible benefit, even though it's so critical. But I know people need to know how to justify investing in a system like this. And it's a problem we talk about, especially with organizations that are looking to invest in knowledge management or any kind of technology around it. So how do you help customers think about and, and measure ROI for Starmine? Yeah, so this is this has been uh, since I joined over a year ago. One of my biggest initiatives is to create um, hard dollar ROI type use cases that we already have our customers doing, but but truly validating it. Uh, one of our customers is is Swiss Re Swiss Re Insurance. It's a, a global reinsurance based in Zurich. Um, we've I've had a couple meetings with with the the owner of our platform there. And his biggest um, his biggest comments are around time savings, right? And and one of the main ways that we prove ROI is simply access to information at, at your fingertips. Um, so so whether that's uh, in in a help desk uh, environment where there are ticket agents who are answering questions faster, or whether it's a self service portal um, that an organization has millions of visitors every year and they create x number of tickets uh but but now with starmind there some of the questions that are asked you know where do i find my 401k information where do i how do i change my benefits um all the way through to uh you know where's the latest sales deck uh where where can i find our uh our, our financial information if needed what, whatever those questions are those sort of standard repeatable questions we can put Starmine into the self-service portal to allow for um, those types of things to be answered uh, one time. And then as people search, they find the answer faster. So equating uh, knowledge to time savings is, is, is truly how we prove ROI. Um, one other quick example is uh, Accenture is, is a huge customer of ours. 
uh, primarily in the DOC region, which is Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Um, and they've equated the time savings uh, in their uh, project management, right, and, and, and staffing within the project management group in that region uh, to over, over $1.8 million in savings over three years. And that's literally just five minutes per hour that they've calculated to give back to all of their employees. If you extrapolate that over all of Accenture, uh, it would be a billion dollars in savings uh, per year. And that's, that's solely based on giving time back to employees to do their jobs the way they need to. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, I'll be completely honest, you know, we, we have to be on the same page with the customer, right? They have to have the same initiatives and then Starmine, you know, the sky's the limit for what, what we can do. I think that's the perfect place to leave it. That was great, Eric. So informative and a fun conversation. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Um, if anybody has any questions, starmine.ai, and uh, <laughs> you can find a, a bunch more information there. Great. And for the rest of you, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you'll connect with us and, and join us for APQC's next podcast.